This is The First Time, Chirp Radio's live storytelling and music series. Every show, we invite a group of storytellers to talk about different firsts and pick a song to go with it. The theme of this show was First Pass. Recorded at Martyrs in Chicago's North Center with music by The First Time 3. Here's your host, Jen Sedini. Our first reader is Chirp DJ, artist and educator, Sarah Spencer. She is a teacher at Lill Street Art Center. You can take crafts with her, teaching sewing, quilting, garment making. Um, she's also on Chirp every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. You can check out her art or subscribe to her new- newsletter at iothealien.com. Give a big, big round of applause. First up, Sarah Spencer, everybody. So tonight I'm going to tell you a story of a first pass by first telling you my entire life story through a convoluted series of vignettes and asides. I'm going to need you to trust me on this one, that it's, it's all going to come together at the end, okay? We're together on this? Yes. So the year is 1985. I'm three years old, and I'm sitting in the quiet box at Star of the Sea Preschool in White Rock, BC, Canada. Mrs. Annette is handing me supplies to make our Halloween craft project, tissue paper ghosts. Hold on, Sarah. What is this quiet box you're talking about? Well, you may be asking. And in a totally progressive move for 1980s suburban Canada, the quiet box was a small cozy space with a blanket and pillows inside where anxious kids could seclude themselves. From drop-off to pick-up, I spent months in that box. It was crazy, right? Um, I was super shy, and I felt so different from the other kids, but I really never understood why. I remained memorably shy well until my adulthood, and it wasn't really until I turned 30 that I even became comfortable talking to folks that I didn't know very well. Um, But Sarah... I can hear you all saying, you're obviously an extrovert. This does not compute. And trust me, I didn't make sense to myself as well. Over decades, though, bit by bit, I developed coping mechanisms. And bit by bit, I built confidence, pursuing things that interested me. And I had a lot of interests. I had a great imagination as a kid and lots of ideas. I particularly would dread when adults would ask me the question, So Sarah, what do you want to be when you grow up? I could never settle on just one thing. It was like a freaking musical up in here. I want to be a marine biologist, paleontologist, rock star dancer and cook, an astronomer, psychic astrologer, actor, writer of books, a high school teacher, a manic street preacher, a witch and rebel for life, a makeup artist, a lawyer, the smartest, and David Bowie's wife. So speaking of David Bowie, I took comfort in the rebels and oddballs of the world, the folks that created their own path. I remember the first time I saw David Bowie, I was six years old. He was the goblin king in the labyrinth. (laughs) Yes, yes, his luxurious mullet, perfectly arched eyebrows, and giant codpiece haunted my dreams for years. I was in love. He was the ultimate shapeshifter, and I loved him for it. And then speaking of shapeshifters, what about RuPaul? 
1993, Supermodel of the World comes out, and there she is blowing up my 11-year-old world simply by loving her own self in the most over-the-top, hilarious way. Then there's Sinead O'Connor. I remember when she ripped up her mother's picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live. I was too young to fully even understand what was happening at the time, but I could see that she was pure fire. I always, for years, her shaved head was the butt of so many late-night TV jokes, and I always admired how clearly she could hear her own voice in a world that wanted to tear her down. Yeah. Knowing that there were people like these that existed in the world gave me hope that I could find a place for myself, too. So let's fast forward now. It's 2015. I'm in Vancouver. I'm working a real adult job in applied statistics for the Canadian government. It's at this point I want to introduce you to my best friend of 30 years, Krista. Now, all you need to know about Krista for the sake of this story is that we're childhood friends, and growing up, we would constantly hear stuff like, oh my God, you guys are exactly the same person, or you guys speak your own language, or from my really cute Canadian mom, oh, you girls are two peas in a potty. You can think of a short Greek version of me, basically. Now Krista's got an extra ticket to Burning Man, and it's mine if I'm willing to drive to Nevada with her. It'll be cool, she says. We'll camp in the desert for a week, take showers with vinegar spray and moist towelettes, and Sarah, for the first time in your life, your limp-ass skinny ponytail hair will have volume from the dust that will slowly fuse it into a single dreadlock, but there'll be art, fire, and weirdos. I'm in. We get there. Yeah. We're meeting all these great new people at camp, fellow wanderers, brilliant, interesting people committed to making community in this inhospitable, extreme environment, Mad Max style. Then I meet someone. Picture this an oversized, smiling, scrubbing bubbles brush drives by in the distance, and the flap of a crisp beige utilicilt captures my attention. Is that a utilicilt? I ask. He's tall and dreamy and looks just like the lead singer from Baroness. He slowly lowers his dust goggles from his eyes. No, it's just a knockoff. Hi, I'm Chesley. Over the week, I get to know Chesley. I'm still an awkward weirdo, but he's an awkward weirdo too, and so in a way, we felt like family. He tells me he's a licensed stockbroker, and though I barf in my mouth a little when he says it, <laughs> we're both deeply philosophical, silly, and former bass players, so I can overlook the other details. Oh yeah, he lives in Chicago. So Burning Man ends, I go back to Vancouver, back to work in my government pension-earning workplace. I'm more or less a functioning adult at this point, successful on the outside, yet increasingly feeling like an alien inside. I knew I was capable of doing something greater with my life, but if adults still bothered to ask me, I still didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. On the outside, or I tried filling the void with hobbies outside of work, and so on the outside it, looked like I was fulfilling my childhood dream of having all the careers. I'm a statistical analyst, dancer, activist, comedian, and office drone. 
on the inside, I still felt like I wasn't living authentically. Three years later, I moved to Chicago and marry my burning band boyfriend, Chesley. <laughs> Soon after, I've got even more titles, wife, radio DJ, art teacher, mom, and as much as I loved all these new pieces of me, I, f I found myself struggling. I had developed all these coping mechanisms for myself over the years without even realizing it, and suddenly they didn't work anymore. I felt like I was drowning in my own life, and it became really depressed. Don't worry, it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> and that's the end. So here my dear friend Krista makes her way back into the story. The year we turned 40, we went on a trip together to celebrate. We're hanging out on the beach one afternoon, Max and relaxing, and she tells me, Sarah, I need to tell you something. I've been diagnosed with ADHD. So of course, when my sister from another mister tells me she's got ADHD, all I'm hearing is, Sarah, bitch, you got ADHD. <laughs> I mean, if my spiritual twins got it, of course I have it. That's just science. And so I go down the research rabbit hole, particularly the new research on ADHD in women now that they're bothering to research us, right? Turns out it presents in a whole bunch of different ways and it can present just like me. I get a diagnosis and along with it, a new insight into how my mind works, an understanding of my gifts, and there are many, <laughs> my challenges, and there are many and what I can do to support myself. You see, there's a pain in having an internal struggle your whole life, especially when you're a person that presents really well. It's a struggle that others can't see. Knowing now that I'm neurodivergent, it's a new lens through which I can look at my past and heal my relationship with it. You see, getting an ADHD diagnosis at 40, I finally understood there was never anything wrong with me. I'd always been working perfectly as designed. <laughs> Eventually, I was able to drop the self-criticism, accept myself, and, and claim space for myself to be authentically seen, just like the rebels I loved so much, Bowie, RuPaul, and Sinead. So I hear you. Cool story, bro. The theme of the show is first pass. What does this have to do with that? Simmer down, cowboy, bitch. I'm making you wait for it. <laughs> you see, since my perspective shift, my creativity has really started to flow. I'm not standing in my own way anymore, and I've been able to embrace my work as an artist. And my work is prolific. My goal for 2023 was to share more, to get out there more, and to invite more people in. My mantra every morning this year is, I have something to share today. And last, last April, thank you. Last April, I shared in a new way. So I'm a quilter. I look great for 74. <laughs> I create really non-traditional, non-functional quilts for display. They're cool and you really should see them. So I haul out all these quilts out of my basement that I've been making and exhibit them to something like 20,000 people at the one-of-a-kind show at Merchandise Mart. It was one of the most exhilarating experiences of my life. I finally stepped outside the quiet box and claimed my first artist's pass.
Turn to the right. Sashay, Shante. Turn to the left. Now turn to the right. Sashay, Shante. It doesn't matter what you wear. Doesn't matter what you First Time is hosted by Jen Sedini, with production by Bobby Evers, Andy Vasoyan, and Executive Director Julie Miller. The podcast is edited by Andy Vasoyan, with songs performed by The First Time Three. You can find this and other Chirp podcasts and interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.